Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. So open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I am so excited about reading this passage and about us looking at it because there's such power in this passage really to free you into a new, this kind of sounds like a sales pitch, but it really is a different way of living. It's a new freedom in life. I want you to hear me when I say this. I am not preaching this because I want something from you. You need to know that. I'm preaching this because I want something for you. This is not about me trying to get something from you. This is about me trying to give something to you because this is what God says, or how God says we're supposed to live. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. Before we get into the text, I want to give you three words that we need to, to clarify and, and distinguish. So these three words are these. Stewardship, giving, and generosity. There are three words that are oftentimes used interchangeably, but they're not the same word. They don't mean the same thing. Stewardship is God's responsibility given to us to manage, right? So a steward is one who manages. Now, if we understand what the scripture says, we understand that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So all that exists in this world belongs to God. You didn't create anything. I didn't create anything. All that we have ultimately is from him. The Bible says every good and perfect gift is what? From above. And so since I feel like I'm way loud here, is that Pull that down just a tad if you will. So everything that we have is from God and it ultimately is for God. So what he says to you and me is, here's a little piece of my kingdom. Here's a little piece of my resources to each one of us. He gives it to us and he says, with this piece that I give you, steward it well, manage it well. So that's the responsibility. Now, giving is different. Giving is an act. That is part of stewardship. So we give as an act of our stewardship. But, but giving is just that. It is an act. It, it's something we do. Generosity is the heart attitude. So you've got giving that is something that is an act. You've got generosity which is an attitude of the heart. So every time you give, you give with a heart attitude. You give because something caused you to give. We're going to talk a little bit about what some of those attitudes are. But we need to understand that when we look at this passage. Because that hard attitude is what is most important. The gift is not most important. The attitude is most important. Giving something big with a foul attitude is, 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 is not good. Giving something small with the right attitude is holy. It's a good thing. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. 
So what the scripture's saying is this. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. This is the second letter. If you'll remember, the first letter was kind of harsh. The first letter, he, he came in swinging. He was correcting some things going on in the church. And he was pretty, pretty direct, pretty harsh. The second letter is, is a little toned down. It, it's, it, it, it's, it's Paul's way of saying, hey, let's, let's understand grace. And let's go back and let's just encourage you a little bit. And he writes to them, their believers, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches in another place. The churches in Macedonia. Now, Macedonia was undergoing severe persecution. They were, they were paying a severe price for their faith in Jesus. They were having a difficult time and a hard time. And what Paul says is this, verse 2, during a severe trial... Brought about by affliction, so we know their, their condition and we know the reason for their, condition, for their condition. This affliction brought trial. says their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. This right here is the reason I love this passage. Because it, it is so paradoxical. You would think naturally that um, severe affliction... Or, or, or that, that extreme poverty and abundant joy would not be in the same sentence. You, you, you would think that you would have extreme poverty, uh, a lack of joy, or abundant joy and uh, uh, riches of blessings, right? You don't usually put those in the same sentence. But I think the reason Paul's saying this is to remind us is that what we have does not give us joy. And what we don't have doesn't steal our joy. Joy is not about what you have or don't have. Joy is something supernaturally different than possessions. You can have great joy with very little. And you can have no joy with a whole lot. Amen? I know a lot. I say a lot. I've known of very wealthy people with no joy. And I've known of very poor people that are abundantly joyful. But here's what happened. There was a result of their poverty and joy. And that result was that they overflowed in wealth of generosity on their part. So the, the, the result of their joy and their poverty was generosity. So what, G, what Paul is saying is this. He's saying there was a heart attitude in this church. And he's telling the Corinthian church this. Because this, this letter is to try to get the Corinthian church to fulfill the promise that they had made beforehand. That was to, to give and to support the churches. And so he's saying, let me tell you a little story about a man named Jed. No, I'm just kidding. Let me tell you a little story about, about a church that was in great suffering and yet they had full joy. And their joy caused them to overflowingly give. He was using them as an example, as an illustration of what we're to do. And he says this, he says, I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints. So in other words, they didn't want to use their poverty as an excuse. They could have. In fact, Paul says in another letter, he says, look, I tried to not get I tried to get them not to give. I didn't expect anything from them. I, when I was passing the plate, I skipped over that row because I knew that they were having a hard time. And when I skipped over the row, they stood up and said, whoa, what are you doing? Bring that plate back here. Pass it on down. Don't deprive us from the joy of giving. And in fact, they not only gave, but they gave beyond their ability. 
And they gave because they had the right heart attitude about giving. They had a generosity in them. Verse 5, And not just as we had hoped, instead they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us by God's will. And then we urged Titus that he should go and complete among you this act of grace. Notice he calls this an act of grace. So there are a few different reasons that people have the act of giving in their stewarding of what they have. Okay? A few different reasons. So we all have a chunk of God's kingdom, of God's resources. Every one of you, whether you're 10, 20, 120, you all have been given a chunk of God's kingdom to, to manage. He said, this is yours. I'm expecting you to manage it. With that chunk... We give, all of us do. We give some to the power company. We give some to Chick-fil-A. Okay, we give a lot to Chick-fil-A. We give a few dollars to Dunkin' Donuts, right? So we're giving, but the motivation of that giving, the attitude is what really, really counts. And this is why it's a gospel issue. So some people give out of ego. Now, from, from here to here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through the worst reason to give and the holy, the best possible reason to give, okay? Way over here is ego. Now, ego can come about in two different ways. One is public and one is private, but both of them are ego. Both of them are pride. The public one says this, I will give you X amount of money, but I want to make sure that people know. I want to make sure that my name's on the building. I want to make sure that I get a, an acknowledgement in the bulletin. I want to make sure that people understand that, that I'm really, really supporting this thing. So there's an ego about that. Now look, the money is inconsequential. Because God can get money anywhere. Because God doesn't need money. He, he, he created the heavens and the earth by speaking it into existence. I promise you, he, in, in Shannon and I's life, he's done the miraculous when it comes to us not having money and God just did it. Like, uh, well, I, I could give you an example. I won't. Tons of examples where God just erases a debt. And we're like, how did that happen? Nobody knows. Well, it's a race, so it's a race, right? I mean, this is what... So God can do that. But a person with an ego in giving, that that's their motivation. The Bible tells us that Jesus said that what you get, what you got. So you got a name on a building? Awesome. That, if that was your motivation for doing it, that's what you get. So you've traded a name on a building, which, by the way, names are often and if not always replaced eventually. There, there's, there's no name that stays there forever. I mean, we're, we're seeing that constantly. You want to know what will get your name removed from a building? Somebody else give more money. You just became a, 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 a not even a memory. You just, you just got scrubbed from the building and now somebody else because they gave more. So your ego got you what you got. You got your name for a little while and then you're forgotten, Right? But the internal ego is even worse. It's actually more sinister. It's, it's pride that says, you're not saying it out loud, but you're watching going, you know what? I make this church run. If I didn't give, and they'd, they'd be in bad shape. Because I've seen the budget and I know the percentage I give. If I were to walk away, they wouldn't be able to make it. I got, I got, I got news for you. Not one single person does this church live or die on? Not one single person. So if that's your, if, if that's the, and I don't think anybody in here is like that, just so you know. I'm just saying hypothetically for somebody else, right? If that's the motivation, you get what you got. That's it. 
There's no eternal reward for that. So I would, I would encourage you, do not have a motivation of ego in your giving at all, ever. Just wipe that off of the face of your excuse or your reasons to give. If you move on over just a little bit, another reason is obligation. I give because I'm obligated to give. And we go to that great Italian prophet, Malachi. You know, he, the, the scripture tells us in Malachi. Okay, some, two of you got that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Dad, dad joke mode. Malachi says, bring the tithes into the storehouse that there may meet in my house and test me down this rate. And so we look at that and we go, well, I'm obligated to give because in the Old Testament, the, the people were required to give 10%. So I'm going to do that. And that's not a bad place to start. It's really not where you're needing to stay. That is, a, that is a starting point. You do know that that's the reason we do a lot of things in life. Like, I am, I am not dying to exercise. <laughs> kind of funny that I would put it that way, isn't it? Because when I exercise, I feel like I'm going to die. So I'm actually... The thing is, I, I don't, I don't want to go on a diet. I don't want to do a lot of stuff, but I do it because I'm obligated to do it. Because I need to do it. And so I do it for that reason. But then the motivation changes after I start doing it. Does that make sense? You ever had something like that? That motivation from obligation should move out of obligation, hopefully all the way to the end, which is out of joy, love, cheerful heart attitude. But in between the obligation and that spot, you've got pity and empathy. I give because I feel sorry. I give because I don't want you to suffer. Now, those aren't horrible motivations. We do that all the time. But there's a difference between giving based on pity and giving based on love. You can help somebody out of pity. Or you can help somebody out of love. Pity says, I feel sorry for you. Love says, I care about you differently. So what happened with the Macedonian church is this. They gave in this way. Out of a heart of love. So, and you know that was the heart, not only because it explicitly says it, but because Paul said, look, I tried to pass them over and they told me, they begged me, send me the plate because you've got to give me a chance to express my love because God has loved us and therefore we will love the people of God. And so that's where the heart attitude of giving comes from. Chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 7. He says, now, as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I'm not saying this is a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. You see that? I'm testing the genuineness of your love. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich for your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I'm giving advice because it's profitable for you who began last year not only to do something else, but also to want to do it. So this is reaffirming what I just said. Now also finish the task so that just as there was an eager desire, there also may be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So what Paul is saying here to the Corinthian church is this. He's saying, look, there should be a heart attitude of love and, and, and the proof of your love, the testing of the genuineness of your love is the act of giving. 
So you can't really, you, you, nobody really knows the why in your life except for you and God. Because, you know, we're really good about faking it, right? We're really good about having one motive, but, but we fake another motive. But you cannot fake to God. You can actually fake to yourself, right? You can convince yourself you're doing something for one reason and it's really something else. You can never fool God, ever. So when God says to be generous, to have a generous attitude, has a generous heart, what he's really doing is this. He's saying, I want you to look like me. You, look, you never look more like Jesus than when you love and then when you have a generous heart. Because the two are inseparable. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? So it's all throughout scripture. Now, here's what I want you to see in this, okay? I want you to see that a generous heart produces a generous heart. Not just in others, but also in you. When you are generous, it spurs generosity inside of you to where you desire to be more generous. I re we received a prayer card this week. I loved it. We, we read it and I go, man, that's exactly what we're talking about. The prayer card said something to this effect. Pray that God would bless us more so that we could become even more generous. In other words, pray that God would give us more resources so we can be more generous with the resources that we have. That's exactly the prayer we should be praying. Um, I, I, I told this story earlier, but, but um, earlier as in like for service. So this past week I went to a dinner. And at this dinner, there was a, uh, it's kind of like an obligation dinner, right? You, you have dinners that you go to because you're part of a group and the group's having a dinner, so you got to go. Um, so we went to this dinner and, and there was a violinist and, and she was playing beautiful music. But I, I honestly, I just wasn't really into wanting to listen to Christmas tunes off of a violin. I mean, it was just that's just kind of where I was. And so I was thinking to myself, let's 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 do one more. and Let's go. Well, I mean, I know it's terrible, right? Terrible. But but something happened. Something happened. And she 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 welled up with tears and she said this next song. It was I heard the bells on Christmas Day. This next song has such deep meaning to me. And and through her tears, she explained it. And now she was from a country that's being torn apart by war right now. And so I connected the dots and it made me listen differently. And as she played, I thought to myself, man, this woman is giving all she's got through this violin. And, and God switched my heart to a heart of love, not just, hey, let's get out of here. And then after she played a few more songs, she said, I've got a few CDs over here. If you want to buy one, you can buy one. I couldn't get up fast enough with my wallet to give her $20 to buy a CD that I have no idea where it is now. Matter of fact, I don't even know if I have a working CD player. Now, if you know me, this, you know that me separating from 20 bucks is a big deal, right? I mean, you know this about me. But here's what happened. The love caused me to want to be generous and, 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 and it was a way for me to say, I care about you and about what you're doing. That was an expression of love. But, but I, I tell you that to tell you what happened on Friday night. So Friday night, you're gonna, I know you're gonna, I'm never going to hear the end of this, but we went to a buffet called the Golden Corral. Okay, we went there. It, it, there were circumstances beyond our control that forced us to go there. 
We had multiple people. We were traveling. We needed dinner and it was late and we knew we could get in and get out. So we go into this, this buffet and we sit down and, and it was our family and then, and then Vainon. So he's part of our family too. So I guess I shouldn't have to say that. Um, so we were sitting down and we were eating and, and I noticed the waitress had this smile. She was a little bit older and, and, and she was working hard and she was smiling. And I thought, you know, at 830 at night, Doing all these dishes. I mean, because we are piling up the dishes. I was like, she's awful happy about this. And so I felt like the Lord said, just give her some extra tip. You know, because at a buffet, it's a dollar, two dollars, right? I mean, it, you're doing all the work, right? So it's just, let's just give some extra money. So I pulled out some cash and I put it on the table before we were done. And, and she stopped by to clean some things. And she says, oh, thank you so much. And I, I'm, I'm, for a minute, I was like, huh? And she goes, the table or, or the room next to us had 40 people in there. They were there two and a half hours. Took three of us to supply their, their, their needs. They gave us $11 total to split. And she said, oh, thank you so much. God has blessed me. And a couple of things. Number one, I thought, how are you smiling after that? Right? I mean, most people, that would make them angry. And they would... But the second thing I thought was God put it on our heart to give a little extra because he knew that they had that the, the, they had been shafted in the room next to him. Right. And so I'm thinking, man, that was so fun. And the point is this. When you're generous, it produces generosity that increases your generosity. And it's this giant circle. But you can't be generous until you are generous. Generosity is what brings generosity. But if you're not generous to begin with, you'll never be truly generous. Does that make sense? So there's an act that turns into generosity that turns into this lifestyle of gratitude through generosity. So here's what's really cool. They don't know that I saw this. But Hannah and Vainon, of course, they're newly married. Uh, living on a shoestring. Right? Um, just, just just really pension budget, right? And they're, I don't know if you remember being married, if you got married in college, having a bare minimum, minimum wage job and a lot of complications there. And we're watching going, man, we're just, we want to see them make this thing happen. Hannah slipped Vainon, her husband, a $5 bill and said, go put this on the table. Now, that's a, that's a lot for somebody who's, who's skimping by. But, she had, they had to contribute to this woman because they loved her and because their generosity was started long time ago. And here's what I can tell you. And they don't know I'm saying this. And hopefully they won't. She didn't watch the video anyway. She didn't care. Here. <laughs> They'll never. Here's the thing. We have watched their life. Overflow with blessing after blessing after blessing. But I'm absolutely certain it's because they learned. Hannah learned it. And I don't know when Vainon learned it. But they got it together now. Hannah learned generosity when she was a little girl. And her entire life has been blessed because of it. It's amazing. I don't want anything from you. But I desperately want something for you. Desperately. I don't care how much you give. 
Because what I know is that God's work is going to continue whether you give $2, nothing, or $2,000. God will do His work. This is not what we're going to get. This is about your spiritual development as a follower of Jesus. And once it clicks to be generous, that generosity wheel is going to keep spiraling out of control and you're going to look for opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And you're going to have stories that you otherwise could not tell. Has anybody in this room experienced that? Can you testify? Raise them high. The experience of it is worth everything. And you know what I'm discovering? When we had nothing, we, we, we gave what we could, but there were a lot of things we couldn't give to. I've always wanted to be able to be the guy. I can leave a $100 tip when I had a $10 hamburger. I never had any money to do it. I mean, I don't know about you, but every dollar we make is, is hard earned. But you know what? If you're faithful in the little stuff. And if you develop a hard attitude of generosity and you have an openness for God to continue to grow that. God is going to do exactly what he says in the scripture when he says, if you're faithful with the little, I'm going to bless you with the more. Because I know that as a manager of my resources, you're going to do with them what I would do with them. You get to be a conduit of God's blessing over and over and over. So we stopped at the um, uh, Operation Christmas Child Processing Center on our way up. We went up Friday. It was a whirlwind trip. Went Friday to Atlanta, then went to Cleveland to watch Hannah graduate. She walked on the stage and she was done. And we did the, the goofy parent, yay, stuff. And then we drove home last night. Um, but at the processing center, there is, uh, there's a process that, you know, the, 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 the items that can't go get pulled out and they get put in boxes. We have a truckload of about 30 of those boxes in my truck now. Toiletry items and just things that cannot go in the boxes. But they gave them to us to bring here because we have connections all over the city and all over the county that need the very things that were given in those boxes. I say that to say we get to be a conduit of God's blessing in amazing ways. Simply because that's what we want to do and we're acting as a church to do it. So once again, I'm not asking from something, for something from you. I'm asking for something for you. I don't know where your heart is when it comes to generosity, but you do. I should also mention, Jesus said in the parable of the sower... He said, there are four places that the seed falls. One of them is uh, on rocky ground. There's nothing there. Another one is, um, I can't remember that. But anyways, the third one, it's the third one that's important. So work with me here. The third one falls among thorny ground. It grows up, but the thorns choke it. And, and Jesus says what those thorns are. One of the things that he describes as the thorns is this. The deceitfulness of wealth. 
The deceitfulness of wealth will rob you of the gospel. That is exactly what the enemy wants to do. Which is exactly why God said for you and for me to be generous givers. And have a heart that never stops giving. It's a gospel issue. Amen? So again, I don't know what your next steps are. You might be wildly generous as it is. If that's the case, become wildly generouser. If you're struggling with it, if you're wrestling with it, take one step of obedience and put into practice Malachi 3.10. Thanks, 3.10. Put it, put it into practice. Because that's the only place where God says, test the Lord and see if I will not do what I say I will do. Test him. But let that obligation quickly move from obligation to the joy of giving. Now, here's the irony, okay? It's the irony of this whole thing. You know that I have given you warning for several weeks. Hey, I'm going to talk about generosity. And it was supposed to be last week. But last week we had to do a part two of leadership, right? And so it was bumped to this week. I didn't plan this. I, I promise you I didn't plan this. But today we're giving out our proposed budget for 2023. I didn't plan it. But as I was thinking about it, I was going, you know, that's not unlike God. And when you look at the budget, what you're going to see is what it costs for us to do ministry. Now, look, it costs to do ministry. It's not free. Well, actually, you can come to this church for your entire life and never pay a dime for anything. We don't have a requirement. We don't have a, a membership fee. None of that. It is all freely given. But I will say this. Somebody will pay for it. And I will say this. The amount of ministry we get to do is directly proportional to the resources we have. So with what you give, it's how we're able to minister. You say, well, we can do ministry without money. Yeah, yeah, we can. Some. But every time we cook at PSC, it costs us $130 every single time. Every time we cook for the Waterfront Mission, it costs us $250 every single time. Every time we meet in this room, it costs us for lights and it costs us for air conditioning. And it costs us for sound equipment. It just costs, right? But those things are negligible. And here's why. I'm, and I'm done, I promise. Those things are negligible because I'm not giving God what he needs to do his work. I'm simply managing what already belongs to him so that he can continue his work. If we stop giving, will the church shut down? Eventually, this one will. All of us can go somewhere else. We'd I'd find a job somewhere else. You'd find another place to worship. But what if God put us on this corner for a specific purpose, for a specific reason, kingdom-wise? What if he's given us a charge? And, and, and isn't that what we're praying for? Didn't we say, Lord, we're praying with great faith that you would help us fulfill our mission, and fulfill your purposes, and God, we're going to worship you as we do it. We're going to have strong leadership. But now we're not going to give to it. I think God would say, well, then you're not going to be able to do what I've called you to do. Because a, a, a non or unresourced vision is just an idea. But when all of us have a part and we give 
two loaves or five, two fishes and five loaves. God says, I've taken what you've got and I will multiply it exceedingly abundantly more than you could possibly ask or imagine. I don't know a single ministry on this earth that is not wrestling for financing. And they always have. We've never been fully resourced. But we've always had enough to do what God calls us to do in the moment we need it. That's exactly the way we need to live. Amen? Alrighty. So what is God calling you to do? I don't know. I'm just saying I'm giving you something that you can take a step on or you cannot. Uh, but this is for you, not from you. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your kindness to us. Thank you that you give us the wisdom to call out the true enemy. Father, to call out the devil who does come to steal and kill and destroy. Father, I pray that you would awaken inside of us a heart for generosity. And those of us who are generous, may we become exceedingly generous. Father, would you use our resources to further your kingdom. And Father, thank you that you have given us reach far beyond what our size would illustrate that we would be able to do. Lord, you are taking us and have taken us and will continue to take us to the uttermost parts of the earth. God, we pray that you would bless us. And we pray that we would continue to be faithful with that blessing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Find out more about First Baptist Church, go freeze at FBC Gold.